Welcome to Inaudible. My name is Jeremy Wyland, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Masterson. On this podcast, we discuss the weird, beautiful channeled messages found in the archives of organizations like LL Research, Circle R, and others. The archives contain transcripts of messages from allegedly discarnate sources who articulate a philosophy of spiritual evolution. If you would like an audio version of the transcripts, please subscribe to Ryan's other podcast, Living Love and Light, available on all platforms. Ryan and I will try to provide analysis and commentary on the philosophy described in these messages, identifying the common themes, and grappling with the application of this information to our human lives. Thanks for joining us on this journey. Hey, Ryan. Hey. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? Wonderful. Also doing fantastic. I did not, te- I did not tell you in the morning that it was a very late night last night. Oh, no, you didn't. (laughs) The the neighbor behind me is moving to Dallas, Texas. So he he used to join in some of the uh, cigar nights, you know, with the Wednesday cigar nights. And uh, so we had our final cigar last night and finally wrapped it up around, you know, 11 11 and change. So and now it's five. (laughs) Yeah. In any case, it was it was good, though. It was good to see him off, so to speak. Yeah, uh, it's it's such a blessing when your neighbors are friends. It yes. really is. I, I say that as somebody who is so blessed to have a neighborhood where we all hang out, we throw parties, we throw cookouts. Like we'll just do it. Like this this week, uh, uh, just randomly on a Wednesday. Normally, I have meditate group meditation on Wednesday. This time, I was like, eh, let's just skip and have a cookout and invite the neighbors. And so the meditation group came out. We had a cookout. We hung out with the neighbors. Everybody just, you know, chilled. Nice. It was awesome. That's fantastic. I remember one time the meditation group went to uh, go see, like, the Big Lebowski that was playing at the local theater or something like that. No Instead kidding. of meditating. Yeah. Every once in a while, we just want to have fun, you know? Yeah. You're people, too. <laughs> <laughs> We're people, All the evidence too. seems to suggest this. <laughs> I know. I know. No, yeah. totally. That kind, of, that kind of connection is, it's important. You know, it's important or maybe better. It's just it, when you see that it is available and it is there, it's uh, it's really nice to just take the opportunity to deepen, to deepen that, to recognize it, to deepen it. And who do, who doesn't like having a good time with friends? You know, I don't know. Weird people. Forgive me, weird people out there. But Well, there's yeah. a rumor going around <laughs> that. People who are into this philosophy are weird, and I'm I'm here to dispel it. We're just That's normal true. people who like, you know, we like to drink beer and eat hot dogs. This is true. I like, I'm except learning. for you, you don't like hot dogs. I do not like hot dogs. Thank you for remembering, yeah. Jeremy. That actually means a lot to me. However, I am learning how to uh, barbecue, like legitimately use my charcoal grill. Um, oh, you doing the charcoal snake? Sure do. I sure do. Heck yeah, dude. I, That's I, what's up. That Hell is yeah. what's up. And um, blessed be YouTube and all of the people who share their passions on that, on that, uh, on that site, because gosh, you can learn a lot. <laughs> and I've learned. My man, I've been spoken you know, for fifteen years. Man, I should have just if you asked ever you. need any advice. Yeah, just <laughs> and and like you got like a you got a kettle kettle grill. Sure do. Kind. Sure all you do. need. Yeah. You don't need anything else. I got the pit barrel cooker, Ooh. but that's some. That's slightly more fancy. It is. It sounds fancy. Yeah, it I think we've fancy. talked about this before, though. 
Well, you've sent me pictures of some of the stuff you've uh, you've cooked, and it, my mouth <laughs> waters. You know, my, you know, so. But anyway, um, how did we get into food? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't know, cooking with friends, maybe. But yeah, yeah, in cookouts. It, in any it's case, cookout season. I'm finally learning how to properly do that, and it's been uh, it's been exciting. Yeah, no, I'm really excited for you because it's a lot of fun. Um, when you can, we could do that for your for the people you love. I, that's what yeah. I love is just being able to do something that's really dialed in. You can't get this at a restaurant, really. No. That's the thing with barbecue is that like you can try to open a restaurant and deliver people fresh barbecue when they come into the restaurant, but like you don't know when they're coming in, and barbecue doesn't stay good all the time. So it's kind mm -hmm. of like a. I don't know. And it can take a long time to cook, so it's not like you can do a made-to-order unless you take all of your orders in the morning, you yeah. know? So, I mean, there are some pretty fancy restaurants out there that uh, don't let the or, customers choose what they get, right? <laughs> you know? Or you're like Franklin's Barbecue, and you have such a huge line for hours and hours and hours that you never actually have anything that isn't fresh. Oh, wow. You're constantly churning through it so quickly that it's never not fresh. Wow. That's the way to do it. But that's how do you build that? Hard. Yeah, how do you build yeah. that? <laughs> that? I don't know. I, I you go on like Food Network shows, I guess. You get mm. a reputation. Okay, it's Texas barbecue, so it's a whole other level. I just it's it's to me it's a um, it's an accomplishment when I can serve the barbecue I've been working on for twelve hours on time for the party that it's for. Yeah, because <laughs> a lot of times they're waiting on me, and I'm like, oh, it's just not quite there yet, you know. I feel the exact same that. way trying to feed my wife and kids. <laughs> yep. If I've got, if I'm doing some slow cooking upstairs, uh, well, outside, not upstairs, um, then, <laughs> then yes, it's the it, same thing. Sure, hope this is going to be ready by six p.m. <laughs> you you put so much art and creativity into it that you forget that it's food that's supposed to feed people. Yeah. <laughs> that's the main point. <laughs> yes, yes. And if you wait too yeah. late, they'll eat something else. Well, I had a great time at this uh, cookout also because an old friend of mine from LL Research Homecomings uh, just like showed up and was like, hey, I live in Richmond now. That's kind of cool. And I was like, he was like, I was like, are you here for a while? He's like, I signed a year lease. And because okay. he's been nomading around, like he lived in Costa Rica for a while during the pandemic. He lived in Montreal, Czech Republic. He just, you know, wow, does more or less what I do for a living, okay. but like actually uses the freedom to travel sure sure he's <laughs> and, an adventurer uh, so yeah so it's really good to have him and i think he'll be participating in the meditation and channeling circles and all that so i'm super stoked about that sounds like a, wanderer. a huge sounds like yeah, a wanderer yeah, yeah. in a literal sense <laughs> i mean i'm not going to speak for him but you know yeah but cool. it's it's yeah uh just huge influx of interest in the in the working group mm -hmm. uh Lots of scrambling to get resources in place. I'm kind of having to get my act together and make sure that all these people who want to work with us, that I kind of understand what they're getting out of it, like what they want, you know, how, mm. what they can contribute. So Jeremy has to become a little organized and that's, I've been trying to play it fast and loose and I don't think that's going to work anymore. So mm -hmm. that's been my fast week. Fast and it's loose. Kind of scrambling. Fast and loose is not a scalable solution. Well, I don't think the working group in general is scalable at all. So that's mm. the whole point of mm. it is to not have something scalable, to have something that oh. is close and intimate. Sure. So the idea becomes like at what point 
is this too big? Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that we kick people out. I think what it means is that we form smaller working groups. Sure. So that people can have the intimacy they need, but they also have the larger network to connect to. Uh, but okay. so far, things are going good. And like, here's the thing is like, I could come at it with all of my like anarchist organizational theory and plan out exactly how things should work. But I'm trying to just do this in, I guess what you would call an agile way, where I solve the problems as they come up instead of trying to think that I can big brain it, you know, uh, right up front. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So just ro rolling with the punches. Uh, some One thing doesn't work. We try something else. And just keep people, as long as people are talking, I think it can work. Yeah. Yeah. Don't forget the basics, the basic, the basic purpose. Right. And yeah, problems are going to come up and sometimes they're pretty hard to foresee. <laughs> like, didn't see yeah. that one coming. Holy cow. Um, yeah. That's how we build software, uh, the right way. Mm -hmm. I mean, most of the time management tries to get us to, uh, execute on their plan that falls apart within the first day. <laughs> Right. Mm -hmm. But like I, the way that I like to build software is like you just keep working with the person using the software to figure out what they're trying to do. And you just it's never a finished product. Yeah. It's just a collaboration with the user. Uh, if we built software that way, we'd have much better software. Yeah. Nice. Interesting. Anyway, getting out of my <laughs> uh, ideas about the political economy of software development and into mm. a unless you had something you wanted to talk about. No. No, nope. you're just waiting for me to get the ball going. <laughs> right mean, on, dude. I can I can take so many tangents. It's it's dangerous. So yeah. let, you're well, you're helping me focus. I think we're going to achieve quite a focus on this episode because we have a great session to talk about. Mm -hmm. uh, this is, let's see, Sunday channeling from uh, May 26, 1991 in the LL Research Channeling Library. So this is a rare uh, uh, appearance of Hatan in the 90s. Yes, because this, this is, they're five years into Quo now, you know, Bingo. four or five years into consistent Quo. So get a, to get a long Quo-like Hatan message is, uh, yes, it's a treat. Yes, I, I couldn't agree more. I, it's funny because I literally just finished yesterday the 18th and final published volume of the transcript library. The 18th. Ooh, and those are thick. They're I mean, 400 they're pages each. <laughs> so uh, wow. this is a huge milestone for me. Uh, I literally had to go to the printer <laughs> and get the 19th. Like I made a 19th volume and printed oh. it out and got it bound and everything because I really like a hard copy to work with in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, I'll be continuing to read the transcript library all through uh, Carla's work. So I'm going to consider it read through at 2011. And then okay. what I do after that, I don't know. Okay. But um, okay. anyway, there's a, there's a, there's a, at least one session in 2008 where Hatan shows up. And it's always nice because you can tell, like, Hatan plays a big role, I think, in all Kuo, especially anything that gets, you know, heart-based, mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. my opinion. And so when Hatan expressly comes through and the rest of the Kuo principle is like, nah, buddy, you handle this, you can tell you're going to be getting into something that deals with emotion and something that's very, very deep in the Green Ray experience. And that is mm -hmm. what I want to focus on, uh, mostly because... Uh, it's something I'm going through. I'm recognizing that I'm at one of those moments where I'm 
facing my emotions in the way that they're tied to judgments and thoughts and reactions. And every so often in my life, I sort of face this chain reaction element that I, I deal with things that hurt me or that disturb me as second or third order reactions rather than just dealing with the feeling itself. And I think this is, in my view, part of getting into the open heart is to deal with those emotions that we're dealing with in the heart directly. And so I was really interested to read this for my own purposes. I hope it helps the listener and you too. Mm. Mm. Um, I'll go ahead and jump right in. I have some notes that I've written up and we can just take it piece by piece. Sound yeah, good? Let's do it. All right. All right. So I'm going to uh, skip over the introduction and the caveat. I'll take all of this with a grain of salt. That's all they're saying. So let's jump in. I am Hatan, and I am again with this instrument, greeting you in love and light. Hold on, Jeremy. It's... What is the question? <laughs> what? Is... Sorry. What... All right. Yeah. <laughs> What's this? The is question? why I just don't do it solo, guys. Hold on. Let me right. read. Let me read the question. Let me read All right, the question. All right. I'll take a sip of coffee and wake mm -hmm. up. The question today has to do with how one can use the heart chakra, the opening of the heart chakra as a springboard to the acceptance of self that is a process usually found or engaged in the indigo ray center. How can one, by learning more compassion and understanding, begin to accept the self in a way in which this self has previously not been accepted? Good Lord, I'm glad you read that, because <laughs> otherwise I would have... Uh trampled over a really important point that I may not have sufficiently yes, considered. I, from I, I, I apologize. I already have a question I'm dying to ask <laughs> about about this question. What What is the context of this question? Why is it assumed that it is the opening of the heart chakra that is a springboard to the acceptance of the self? And, and where does it come from that this is usually a process found in the indigo ray center? I must have missed that in a in the raw session, I probably did miss it. I missed a whole lot in the raw stuff. Or is it in a previous conscious? Like, how, what can you provide any context on maybe where this question came from? Absolutely. All right. So here's what's up. Um, in the, in the raw contact, raw for sure talks about the necessity for self acceptance in order to do work in consciousness. You know, know okay. yourself, accept yourself, become the creator. The indigo ray center uh, in your forehead is where they locate uh, work in consciousness. Okay. Uh, of course, all of it is work in consciousness because all of it's consciousness. But you know what I mean. This more articulated, finer, adept style working mm -hmm. in consciousness. The point is, is that it's usually in the lower chakras that we get hung up on our catalysts in this in this illusion, the heart is the first energy center where you start to really get away from the mundane affairs of consciousness, of survival, reproduction, uh, the, the self, who you are when you're alone, who you are when you're in public, right? These mm -hmm. are all red, orange, yellow concepts. Okay. That's where a lot of our blockages are going to be. And so 
In order to get to the open heart, we have to clear those. In order to get to the indigo ray uh, uh, work in consciousness and true acceptance of self as creator in a way that really opens, because what we're trying to do is we're trying to open the gateway to intelligent infinity. When we can do that, we're in another level. Like then what you and I say doesn't really matter so mm-hmm. much. What Hatan says doesn't matter r- really very much because you're you're dealing it directly. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're trying to get, where we can accept this influx of the creator's love and light and then be able to radiate it out. And then through that, serve and learn. Mm-hmm. Um, but the key point is that we have to, it's a, it's a sequential thing, right? We have to go one by one and open up these centers. And it seems like the heart is a crucial center of seeking. And, and even Ra, those of Ra call it uh, the springboard to intelligent infinity, I believe, or something like that. It's a springboard. This is something I've talked about with the working group um, quite a bit. Uh, what does it mean that it's a springboard? I think what it means is that this is the first center where you really tap in to the creator's power in a way that changes your entire view of experience mm-hmm. and 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 um, mm. evolution. Uh, there's something about the opening of the green ray center that releases such a purity of energy. It the compassion and the all encompassing uh, sense of this uh, universal love that you are accessing in the green ray is a source of power that motivates us through the higher chakras. What the negative path does, the service to self path, is they try to skip the heart and brute force through the higher chakras. We, our, our uh, power comes not from uh, focusing so tightly that we can like shove our way through the creation, but in accepting more and more and more the creation as it is. Mm-hmm. And then taking that into the heart having compassion for it and for ourselves, and then using that power to bring us further into the Blu-ray where we can start to freely radiate this, uh, the information contained in this compassion, the information contained in this acceptance. Um, the, they, the, those of Ra call the heart center the springboard, but they call the Blu-ray uh, communication chakra the first chakra in which you can radiate without any uh, need for the other to, to reciprocate that radiation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In the heart, we can get our heart kind of broken. We can get kind of hurt when people don't give us the compassion that we're giving them. The point is to move through that and get to the point where we can start to just radiate. And we are sitting in our own truth enough that we don't have to worry about whether or not it's what the person approves of or whether they're going to give it back to us. And then once we've got to this point where we are so confident that we can speak to others, speak our truth, and we don't have to worry about uh, necessarily what their opinion of it is. Uh, we're not trying to offend them, but we're not trying to, you know, uh, we're not trying to control them by keeping them calm or putting them in a place where they don't offend us, right? We're not mm-hmm. worried about that. So once we get to that point of pure and free radiation, then then can we get into the indigo race center and we can start working on the lessons of faith and true acceptance and the true mystery of ourselves as creator. 
Okay. The, the important point is that you can talk about yourself being the creator all day, but it is these experiences yes. and these lessons that, that ground it in our actual incarnative experience and make it possible for this stuff not just to be a cool thing that we go through individually, but something that, that, we, are, that we can serve others through. Mm-hmm. See, that's, that's the deal is that we talk about evolution as if it's a personal project, and it is. But it's a personal project that's designed to unite all of us back together. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's this impersonal side to it, too, that needs to be respected. Hmm. So that's helpful. That is helpful. Good. So, again, the question today has to do with how one can use the heart chakra, the opening of the heart chakra, as a springboard to the acceptance of self that is usually a process found or engaged in the Indigo Ray Center. How can one, by learning more compassion and understanding, begin to accept the self in a way in which the self has previously not been accepted? Yeah. And I I think it's really good that you insisted on uh, reading the question because it does, it does actually set the character of this uh, 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 reading. It's not just about the heart. It also has a lot to do with communication. Mm -hmm. And I, I realized in reading this that it probably has a lot to do it actually reinforces a lot of the uh, things that Hatan says almost ten years earlier in that communication, uh, mm. in that in that session on communication that I love so much. Sure. So anyway, want to jump right in yeah, now? Let's do it. All right. I am Hatan, and I began with this instrument, greeting you in love and light. In speaking of the subject, we wish to be we wish you to be aware that we are using the system of the energy centers the root energy center of survival, the orange ray of dealing with the self and dealing with individuals other than the self, the yellow ray of social or group dealings, the green ray of the heart, the blue ray of communication, the indigo ray of inner work or working consciousness, and the violet ray, which is, shall we say, the readout of the balance of all those dynamics that are, integ- that are in an integrated individual entity within the life experience. In the case of most seekers, in the case of most entities whatsoever upon the planet, whom you may not call seekers, and who may not call themselves seekers, but who do indeed seek to make more skillful choices, the heart is not allowed to open, because there is judgment of the self. Consequently, no matter how extremely good the intention and how determined the attitude, there is the entire life which is filled with the process of failing and holding that in the heart. It is thought by these who do this that they are quite correct in assessing their faults as well as their virtues. Perhaps it would be expressed that it is the feeling that it is not humble to ignore one's failures, although each entity identifies a slightly different field as that of failure. Almost without exception, those upon your planet judge themselves, and this judgment is remembered in the heart. So first stop. We are off to the races. This is such a great, a great paragraph. The, the key thing to remember, I think, from all of this is that uh, this is a process, Whatever what we're talking about applies to people who consider themselves seekers, but also those who don't. We are all going through this. The, the upside is that this process unites all of us. We all need compassion. We all need understanding. We all need to work on ourselves. So whatever we discover in our hearts can be used to connect with others. What is keeping us from the heart? Judgment. Uh, Our judgments of ourselves, our lack of compassion and acceptance for ourselves, it is in the heart, Hatan says, 
that this is recorded and maintained. So when we go to open the heart, when we go to do this work on the on acceptance and compassion, we are doing it because that's where all we lodge all of these things. These judgments are keeping us from Blu-ray work. They're keeping us from indigo ray work and violet ray work. Uh, that that's that's the whole point. Is that in this chakra system we have a plan for how to broadly uh, attack, for lack of a better word, these these uh, obstacles within our energy system. So we know that we're not going to be able to be able we're not going to be able to speak in that clear and radiative way where we're honest and we don't have to like uh, pussyfoot around. Mm-hmm. We can meet people where they are, but we have to accept them. We have to have compassion for them first. That's what makes it possible for us to talk in that way. Mm. Until we do that, our, our Blu-ray will be a little bit choked up and we'll find that we, 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 we want to put people in a place that's safe for us, right? That we, 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 we make sure that our point come across. We make sure that mm-hmm. they understand and accept what we're talking about because we need that. Yeah. We're not coming from a place where we have enough compassion to accept the other as disagreeing with us and on a fundamental level. Yeah. This reminds me of a, of a, se- a, a session we did long ago when I think we were more explicitly discussing the chakras. And it, it has just always struck me that if you're having trouble with one area of your life that you can that you can tie to a chakra, because I know that there's a, there, you know, it's not literal. <laughs> the chakras aren't literal. But if you're having trouble communicating with others, I like to go through the process of checking that chakra below and see yes. what's going on there, you know? So I like this idea. If you're having trouble communicating with others, maybe check what's going on in that green ray area. And I think Hatan puts it very well right here. So much so that they start the paragraph and end the paragraph with the same thing. You know, we judge ourselves. Our hearts remember this judgment. And I love this line in here. Uh, They say, consequently, no matter how extremely good the intention and how determined the attitude there is the entire life which is filled with the process of failing and holding that in the heart. And ain't that just a human truth? People do their best and yet we fail. But And, and even though that is a part of life, so many times we view that failure as a literal failure of, of ourselves and our quality of being rather than just an experience in life that helps us get to the next step. Yeah. And that that sense that we don't want to fail, that we're scared of failure, prevents us sometimes from taking the true lessons of the catalyst. Mm-hmm. When we look at it as catalyst, there is no judgment per se. It's just the discrimination to understand, oh, I was I looked at something one way, I could have looked at it in another way. And uh, when we when we count it as a failure it's uh it that 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 indicates that we are judging ourselves and we're judging ourselves as wanting and that kind of puts us in a kind of puts us in a footing where uh something needs to be drastically done in order for us to move forward and that's not the case everything is workable everything can be worked with um all of these things that present as problems are actually lessons uh like the stoics say the obstacle is the path right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah. Great, great, great paragraph. So judgment, judgment is key here. 
uh, continuing, One of your poets has called the heart a rag-and-bone shop. This is precisely the nature of the unopened heart. It is far less common to see people hating others or disliking them than to, hold the, than to find the self holding in the heart judgment against the self. Consequently, the learning over a period of most of an incarnation is the repeated experience of failing in a way important to an entity until finally the mind becomes weary of thinking, puzzling, musing, and analyzing in relation to the various failures. This process is excellent. It is safe to say that in most, if not all, if not in all incarnations which entities have chosen upon this planet which you enjoy, there will be life enough, which you would call time enough, for you to work as a seeker through the unopened heart and by the end of the incarnation to be able to forgive the self rationally and to allow compassion to flow to the self. I, I, I would like to stop here because I just think this, they, they talk about how much we uh, we emphasize our failures and that these failures begin to overwhelm us, it seems like they're saying. We can't really explain them away and we get completely tied up in this knot of dealing with the fact that we're trying to represent to the world that we got it together, but in our hearts, we don't feel like we have it together at all. It's the imposter syndrome. Writ large. Yeah, that's it's kind of like it's like it's like a seeker imposter syndrome. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. (laughs) But every but it's funny because everyone feels it. I still work with people today at the top of their careers that still have that feeling of like, why am I responsible for managing all of this money? Or why how on earth did I get to this place where I'm responsible for this and that? You know, it it's so common. It's just so common. Yeah, and I think the, the the fact that they say that what we just described, this this heartache mm-hmm. and this turmoil, mm-hmm. is a process, and it is excellent. The very thing that exhausts us and that sort of causes us to throw up our hands and give up, that's the breakthrough that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Because then we see that it's not an intellectual project whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and that's the key thing, and, and they'll explore that later here. The difficulty in doing this remains not just equally in those in these who follow an orthodox religious practice. It is even more marked in among those with a specifically orthodox religious practice. Even though these practices teach that the Creator forgives and redeems, there is also the judge the fear of judgment. There is the sense that there will be an unfair test which the seeker will not be able to pass because he has failed. And that imagined voice of the creator becomes the voice of the self, judging and condemning without mercy. That is the way of justice among your peoples. Mm. It is not the way of balance or truth. Now, you may see each in your own life patterns that you do indeed have enough time to experience failing to the point where you shall become tired of judging, of thinking, of reasoning about the imperfect self. You may see it in your older entities who become mellow and tolerant and charitable, for they have seen that not only they, but all seem to themselves to be an extraordinarily imperfect and much in need of fixing. Were you to be able to live the lifetime your physical vehicle was originally created for, this process would be nearly fail-safe. Indeed, you leave your incarnations while the spiritual search which you have begun within this incarnation is only just underway. So once again, uh, 
seeing this as an intellectual problem that it's just about arranging uh, the chairs on the Titanic of our minds, and <laughs> that's it. That's that's what we have to work through. Yeah. We get overwhelmed with that, and then we start to see that there's something deeper. There's a more emotional, a more visceral uh, path to uh, balancing and, and growing. Yes, I'm just skimming this paragraph again because there was a, a line, a line you said that, uh, or a line that is written that really brought back a, a core memory for me. I can't seem to find, I thought there was a specific line, but when it comes to, um, I just had this, this experience of um, finally reaching the point where I stopped caring about the judgment of others. And uh, when I was younger, I made, at the time, what seemed like a terrible decision to stop my, uh, you know, my music education career in California. And I moved out to Boston to essentially start fresh, be in a party band, um, to just live it up a little bit. And from my, from my parents' perspective, that was just straight up the wrong decision to make. But I remember specifically when I learned exactly how they felt about me moving out to Boston. And um, I was not expecting the judgment, the um, explicit, explicit judgment, you know, from my parents. Yeah. And it felt like uh, it, it uh, well, it really hurt. But something at that moment just shut off for me. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to stop caring what you think <laughs> if i literally felt that way it's like i'm done leaning into uh requiring your approval to live my life how i'm gonna live it and you know me moving to boston ended up you know turned out to be one of the best things that i ever did in hindsight but um but i just remember that that judgment because you know deep down i also had a little judgment of myself for possibly making a poor decision and I certainly didn't need the judgment of others <laughs> to uh, to uh, uh, solidify that. But it happened. But I I just remember it was like a light switch turned off. And I'm like, well, I'm done carrying now. And um, there it is. <laughs> I don't know how to finish it out, but it's just it's that feeling of judging of myself I still have. Uh, but I... Uh, at least for me, it's, um, I think I judge others much less than I used to. As soon as I stopped caring about the judgment that others had for me, and I realized I'm going to live my own life. I have my own journey. I have my own development. And as soon as I shut that light switch off for myself, all of a sudden it helped me see other people in the same light. Like, you know, my judgment is gonna, isn't going to matter for them. Why don't I just respect the path that they're on? So in any case, it yeah. feels like it just ties in with the, with some of the stuff no, that's being said. Absolutely. Here. Setting yourself free is innately bound in setting others free. I like that line. It's it's all tied up. Yeah, that's great. Okay. So the the the, the last line of the last paragraph is, is important. You leave your incarnations while the spiritual search which you have begun within this incarnation is only just underway. Remember, uh, those of Ra say that our, our third density bodies were originally designed for thousand-year incarnations, where we would have plenty of time 
to balance all of this catalyst and really understand things and come to a maturity. Um, with as it is now, those of Ra say that we basically die as spiritual children because we there's so much intense catalyst and we don't really have enough time to process it all. That's what that's what makes um, really working on the self explicitly and intimately on a on a hopefully daily basis so important is because it allows us to use this stuff in the most efficient manner. Mm. Continuing with Hatan. Still, you may harvest in this manner and increase in compassion as you become old enough and experienced enough to see that there is nothing unusual or fatal about failure and that all failures eventually become part of a healing. We say all this to preface speaking about the open heart and working consciousness or indigo ray work. As each in this group is already aware, the process of opening the heart is a process of letting go of those things in the lower chakras which are clouding, blocking, or overstimulating those centers. Therefore, we will not go into this in detail, but simply say that keeping the heart open is simply a matter of noticing and paying respect and attention to these times in which a blockage, an overstimulation, or a distortion is noticed in a particular area of life corresponding to a particular energy center. This is probably one of the key concepts in this entire reading and probably in the Confederation's uh, exhortations to us to begin with. Mm. Notice how, when you were talking about uh, the chakras being literal or not literal, right? Mm -hmm. I, I tend to think of it less as what exists and what doesn't exist, but more in terms of the chakra system being a model that helps us think about our feelings. Yes. Think about our consciousness. What if instead of just seeing consciousness as this big cloud of concepts and stuff that we barely understand, we could break it up into seven different pieces. We could understand each on their own and understand that how they interrelate to each other. Uh, so the chakra system to me is a model, and whether or not it literally works that way isn't so important because I think in metaphysics – what literal actually means kind of breaks down, right? Mm -hmm. Like these are all abstractions. Yes. So like choose your own adventure, right? Yeah. <laughs> In yeah. any case, uh, notice that the process of opening the heart is a process of letting go of the things that we are holding on to in the lower chakras. They are either having an effect of distorting, blocking the energy flow, or overstimulating the energy flow. And I don't know if we've talked about overstimulation before. It's not something mm -hmm. that's really explained in the Rock Contact. I no. do have an explanation that uh, my friend Steve Timon offered that I think makes a lot of sense. And it's informed my exploration of my heart and opening mm -hmm. it. I have often, when I have conflict with people, felt a tightness almost to the point of pain in my yellow ray chakra. And... I was like, well, I'm I'm working a lot with the or, with the yellow ray. Like, why am what am I not seeing? Um, and Steve was like, well, what could be happening is your heart is the one that's blocked, and you're overcompensating with your yellow ray. 
And I think that's what mm. that's what he was trying to imply. That's what overstimulation means is when you overcompensate with one quality of energy because you're not letting yourself get to the balance point of the next point of energy. In other words, if the yellow ray uh, chakra is the seat of the ego, it makes perfect sense that if I find myself in conflict with people, instead of opening my heart and compassion to them and not worrying about winning the argument, I am overcompensating by trying to cleverly uh, 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 you know, solve the problem. Like I'm letting my personality do the work that my heart should be doing. Does that make sense? Totally. Except I liken it. The visual I have in my head is that of a dam and you just getting all that water backed up or it's just energy is getting backed up. So if the heart's not yes. open, letting it flow, it just starts overflowing in that yellow ray center. And I right. like how you give it an example. If you're working with the ego in the yellow ray center and you're not and you're all damned up at level four at the green ray. Yep. It's just you get a great visual of just pouring over of of water of energy in that in that area. So that's a that's an interesting point. Just, what we're trying to do is not say what literally is or not. What we're trying to do is give constructs of thought that help us balance ourselves the the way we're going to know that we're balanced and that the stuff is working is on a level that you and i cannot articulate to the listener mm -hmm. it can only be experienced that is the only evidence that you will ever get that any of this stuff is quote unquote real mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so this is why uh we do this kind of intimate communication in the working group, because ultimately we can talk all day about these concepts, these models, these ideas, but if we don't apply them to our lives, then we don't know for sure. We're just kind of following somebody, what somebody says. And mm -hmm. it's why not find out for ourselves? Why not apply this stuff to our lives and find out for ourselves what's true and what's not, right? Yes, definitely. Okay, moving on. If there is a failure of direct communication, for instance, between yourself and another entity, opening the heart involves not only speaking with that person to the full extent of one's capacity to communicate, but also forgiving the other self, yourself, and the situation which arose betwixt the two which did not partake of the open heart. The blockages of each lower chakra are fairly easy to pinpoint, since as the energy is blocked, there is also a feeling tone within mm -hmm. one an uneasiness which speaks as loudly as any words and clearly and sorry and certainly far better than any rationalization of behavior or thinking i love that yeah i love that there's a feeling there's a feeling i just love that yeah we've got to give ourselves the permission to feel into these things instead of taking the way that they present to us within us as good or bad, and then trying to get rid of bad stuff and mm. have only good feelings. Mm -hmm. This is what I think they meant earlier about respecting emotions, right? We have to see them as information signals, as feedback mechanisms in our larger spiritual growth. If we don't see it like that, you know, emotional health becomes this kind of intellectual thing that psychologists will 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 talk to you about. Psychiatrists will talk to you about. And they'll be able to do you a lot of good in functioning in this world. But what we're talking about on this podcast is a deeper level of participation and engagement in this emotional study. Mm -hmm. One where 
you aren't going to necessarily be able to tell your therapist or your wife or your friend in sufficient detail what's really going on inside you. You need an ability to apprehend that directly. If you focus on explaining your emotions to yourself and like coming up with rationalizations for why you feel a certain way. I do this all the time, listeners. I feel threatened by something. Oh, that guy's being an a-hole. That guy's like doing this and that. He should have done A, B, and C. You know, you come up with all of these reasons to explain your own feelings to yourself because that takes the emphasis off of the thing that you actually uh, need to address, Mm -hmm. which is your own sense of inadequacy, your own sense of uh, hurt and uh, vulnerability. Facing it directly uh, doesn't make any space for you to dream up these explanations that make you 100% right and everybody else 100% wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't have anything to add. I just think that's fantastic. That's That's what I like to hear, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's continue. The work of opening the heart is the work of letting go, of surrendering, of realizing the true importance of the details of any blockage. That is to say, of realizing that what is important about a situation which has caused a blockage is the forgiveness and the healing which may now be evoked by the learned skill of paying attention and respect to the incarnational experience that is going on. This is so key. It's so key. The obstacle is the path. The things that you are dealing with as blockages, as lessons, those are precisely with intimate detail, the signals that you are looking for in order to balance and forgive and heal. Respect these emotions. Respect that they are hurtful, that they, that they, they, they're painful. They can be so hard to deal with, and it's not a failure on your part that you suffer under them. It is simply a matter of changing your attitude about the, the meaning of that suffering, the meaning of that pain, not not in one, in, in in not diminishing that pain in any way. It still hurts. You are still vulnerable. You are still a person who is capable of suffering and capable of others hurting you. Mm-hmm. But to look at it as a lesson doesn't take that away. It just means you have something you can do that's constructive with that instead of the things that distract you from the pain. And get you all worked up in these mind games that we play with each other that explain things to each other Mm -hmm. uh, and to ourselves. And that gets in the way of just dealing with the emotions themselves. Does that make sense? Am I over explaining? Yeah. But I just think I was just in awe of how how much is being said and so little here. You know. It's amazing. Yeah. It really is amazing. It's wonderful. (laughs) It's wonderful. Uh the realizing that what is important about a situation which has caused a blockage is the forgiveness and the healing which may now be evoked by the learned skill of paying attention and respect to the incarnational experience that is going on. It's almost like, okay, here you're coming up against this challenge. Good thing we've been practicing this. Now we get a chance to, you know, deploy the skills that we are you know, that we're working on, that we're learning, you come up, get, come up against a, uh, a blockage and then it's time to forgive. 
you come up against a blockage. It's time to forgive. Like every single time, it, it seems to me that just by throwing out the words, the learned skill of paying attention and respect to the incarnational experience, it is a skill. A skill is something that you have to repeat in order to learn and then implement in your life. So paying attention and respect to the incarnational experience. In other words, the constant rinse and repeat of challenge, overcoming, challenge, overcoming, challenge, overcoming is, um, it's part of the game. And, uh, how do we, you know, the whole point of this thing is how do we continue to play that game without adding to the layers of judgment that we put upon ourselves so that we can better, you know, better love others. Well, so it's, we can better work in, in, in consciousness, uh, by opening our heart and loving others. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad that you pointed out the skill part of this. It's funny because like what they're implying is that there is in fact an intellectual part to this, but it's very much about an attitude, an yeah. attitude of acceptance and um, diving headfirst into this stuff. Well, if I may, and not an attitude of trying to avoid it and using the intellect to 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 to, to marshal those resources in that direction. Sure. Right? If I may, it reminds me of Carla's book, Living the Law of One. When you make the choice to live on the capital G game board, in a way, you do intellectualize your spiritual existence or your spiritual path. In that, perhaps at minimum, you can articulate your the goal the larger goal of your actions and your day-to-day experience. And a, a lot of people can learn these lessons without intellectualizing or without even articulating what is going on in their life. But you run into a wall enough times, either you're going to die or you're going to make a choice to navigate around that wall the next time you, that you approach it. So I think all we're doing here, all these sessions are doing are pointing out the walls, um, and trying to give us tools to get over them or get around them. Yeah. And, and I think it's one more thing. Um, I have a sense, this is just my opinion listener, but I have a sense that this skill that we're learning of paying attention and respecting our incarnational experience, respecting the emotions that come up, respecting our hurt and our vulnerability, what we're doing is we're unlearning second density patterns of behavior, I think. In second density, emotions are a very crude indicator to help us survive in the wild. Um, Now we are learning a more imperishable, a more abstract and um, everlasting uh, way of approaching experience. And it's it's galvanized by the spirit's uh, self-consciousness, right? This ability that we've developed in third density to actually be able to reflect on ourselves, to look at ourselves, to not simply act on the world, Mm -hmm. but also to kind of act on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And um, it is a skill that we have to learn. Um, We don't get a uh, tutorial when we graduate the third density. We have to learn it the hard way. And some people learn it quicker than others, but it is a skill just like learning to survive in the wild as a second density animal is a kind of skill. And it is very interesting to recognize this, how simple the skill is in a way, right? Sure. Just paying attention, just looking at it. Yeah. Simple. <laughs> Respecting it. And simple doesn't mean easy, but no, no, so no, no. much of life is in fact simple. 
but we choose we choose for better or worse to make it harder than it needs to be you know it, it, it's it actually it actually is simple but it's not simple now that I think of it because they say realizing the true importance of the details of any blockage that is to say of realizing that what is important about a situation which has caused a blockage is the forgiveness and healing like to realize that when I get in a fight with someone, that what it's really about is not the proximate cause of the fight or the the the, the grievances that I have to press. Mm-hmm. It's actually my own healing, my own forgiveness, and my ability to extend that to another as one rep in the set of spiritual exercises I'm doing mm-hmm. in this point in my evolution, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's the wonderful thing is that if we get the rep wrong, if we do it wrong, we get another chance. This is exactly how incarnation and spiritual evolution works. It brings precisely to us what we need when we need it. Mm-hmm. We can count on this feedback mechanism implicitly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So further into the open heart, my friend. Mm-hmm. Let's go. When one first attempts to open the heart, One may feel that it is impossible to forgive the self enough times to keep that heart open. That is not the heart speaking. That is still the mind. And the mind complex suffers from the either-or of your illusion. There is no either-or in an open heart. The open heart is an and-and, an A-A unity. To the open heart, all things deserve compassion. All things deserve food, physical and spiritual. All things deserve love. And to refrain from opening the heart to the self is not something that occurs to the heart's wisdom. However, it makes no sense. It is important to realize that the way of the open heart may begin in clearing the way to the open heart, but it ends in accepting that the open heart is all compassionate, all loving, all giving. There are no second thoughts to an open heart. There are no true thoughts in the open heart, but only the endless and impersonal compassion. But one who stands not on sense, not on things known, but on the thin and unpredictable air of the abyss of the unknown. Wow, a lot to unpack. There is. I'm drawn to the line. The way of the the way of the ho- <laughs> the way of the open heart may begin in clearing the way to the open heart. But it ends yeah. in accepting that the open heart is all yada yada. So I, I, I had thought I had misread that <laughs> <laughs> when I first read it out loud, because it's like, what? Mm. No, that's beautiful. It's like, hey, how do I do this in my life? It's like, well, let's first start with clearing the way to get there. <laughs> you know, you can't just go from A to B. You have to travel the path. Right. There's a reason why knowing yourself comes before accepting yourself, right? Mm. We have to know what these distortions are. We have to be able to face them squarely. They can't be accepted like as something that they're not. They have to be accepted as what they are, and we have to be able to apprehend them, to look at them with love and patience and clarity, Mm -hmm. and then say, yes, even that, even that thing that I would never show another soul, that I'm ashamed of myself, that too is me, and I accept it. And that that is work that goes above and beyond simply clearing the lower chakras. Like, I think what Hatan is saying is that... uh, uh, Quo has often said this, that there's actually two sections to the heart 
as they see it. They've used this metaphor before. Mm-hmm. There's the outer courtyard of the heart, and then there's the inner sanctum or the inner temple. So there are lions at the gate of the inner sanctum. And in the outer courtyard, this is where you start to sweep up. You start to clean up all of this crap that's accumulated. And you start to really, and you you open up the pathways that lead to the courtyard, right? Mm-hmm. This is a place where you're kind of doing the dirty work of the heart. And it's all to demonstrate to yourself and your greater self that you are ready to truly take uh, tender care of all of those things that you've dumped in your heart, that they're suddenly worthy of your respect and that you are ready to fully accept yourself. And then that is what allows you to get into the inner sanctum of the heart and truly do this work on compassion and acceptance on a deep level. I also love the final line here. There are no true thoughts in the open heart, but only the endless and impersonal compassion. Well, but only the endless and impersonal compassion. But one who stands not on sense, not on things known, but on the thin and unpredictable air of the abyss of the unknown. And it just makes, it just reminds me that, you know, it's hard to fill an empty, it's hard to fill a cup that's full. And the idea yeah. of emptiness and being open and just letting, you know, letting life evolve yep. and going with um, it, you know. The, those, those of Ra say that the heart is the seat of the creator. And I think this line shows why it is unconditional love, green ray love, that is so intimately tied to this greater experience of the creator. It's endless it's impersonal, right? It is, you are discovering when you get yourself to the heart and start working on opening it, you are accessing directly the power of love that built everything. Mm -hmm. It is the creator and the creator, not in this sense of like being Jesus or somebody that you think of, but the massive, massive, infinite uh, expanse of consciousness that is everything. And we have got to do a lot of work on ourselves before we can accept that that, even that, uh, that, that huge force is us too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why I think the heart is a springboard because it's the first point at which we start to really engage with this greater identity that partakes of so much power. And it's that power that we use to freely radiate without, without need of it being reflected back to us. Mm-hmm. It's that power that we use to open our indigo ray and start doing uh, like the more adept-like work in consciousness that's more refined and partakes of probably like, you know, uh, mysteries that we can't even comprehend right now. I like the idea of radiating love without the need to have it reflected back to you. That's an, op- that's an open heart. Yes, and, and it's important to recognize that that is not – wait, wait. That's Blu-ray. Oh. In the, in the green ray, a, a fully functioning green ray, but a blocked Blu-ray, will still get hurt by those who don't accept you. It will still get hurt by those who don't um, accept what you're giving them. It is in the Blu-ray that you start to, 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 to really be honest enough with yourself and others that you can – under you can accept that situation, mm. uh, and it doesn't it doesn't necessarily hurt you. 
Okay. In the in the in the in the green ray, you are still capable. You've hurt. In fact, that's the big lesson of the green mm-hmm. ray is to accept that this hurt occurs, to accept that you're vulnerable, and then once you can do that, you can be honest because you have nothing to protect. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. It's my interpretation, but I think it's well informed yeah. by Confederation sure. <laughs> uh, materials up to this point. Well, at minimum, it sounds plausible. So yeah, <laughs> the, the narrative. <laughs> I'll take it. There's a through line there that is entirely possible. right. Okay, so we're 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 in the open heart. We are on the thin and unpredictable air of the abyss of the unknown, and there should be uh, the uh, shadow of spirit seen in this. I think because spirit is kind of our part of this huge expanse of consciousness and love that we can't even think about in order to have mm. our lives the way we have it right now. Mm. So we are standing on our own truth and our own love in this unknown. And we continue. As we said, most among your people attempt to preserve a balance in that abyss of the unknown. And then there's an inaudible part here. But something like most people attempt to think their way through this blockage is what I assume is going on. This is, a, this is slow work, but it is a perfectly good path. The way of the open heart is simply a shortcut, a more direct route to the ability to do work in consciousness. Uh, there's an inaudible part there, so I can't really say what they're thinking, but I can certainly guess that when we try to think our way through this stuff, we make our work harder. It's part of getting to this point where we can accept ourselves and we can continue this thinking through it uh, if we want, but it makes it much slower. Mm-hmm. The, the way to uh, quicken our return to the creator and to quicken this uh, work in consciousness is to just let go of our need to understand everything. Let go of our need to have an intellectual, rational cubby in which to put these thoughts and to organize everything in this way that like, reinforces us and makes us feel safe and like we're making progress the way is to give it all up to surrender and to just bask in the love Mm. here here continuing how is the heart kept open in such a way that the experience of the open heart will be the steady state we would in looking at this aspect of this question remind each again that the offering of praise to the creator and the offering of thanksgiving for blessings received constitute a continual touching into divinity, a constant song heard by all that there is. The steady state of the open heart is a state in which each flower, each blade of grass, each thing that is beautiful, that is seen, says to you, not only this is pretty, this is lovely, this is beautiful, but also I praise the creator for this beauty. It is a way of claiming that mystery, which is the creator, a way of relating to the creator, which is unseen, invisible, unheard, unknown, for we are aware that the Creator is not obvious to all, nor is His will seen to be very beneficent in many cases. If there is the faith to continue to praise the Creator and to bless the Creator when your experience blesses you, the the relationship with that which is holy becomes more and more real by habit and replication of sincere praise and thanksgiving. Bottom line, hmm. a sense of gratitude, praise of the creator, thanksgiving, uh, maybe even going so far as worship, right? Mm-hmm. All of these attitudes 
help you experience the open heart. And this isn't so much an intellectual thing as a decision to, 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 to pay attention to what's already in front of your face. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't have much to add on that. I... Yeah. Uh, I, I just think it, when we're talking about this skill, right. Mm. We need to keep in mind that a, uh, a, an intentional desire to praise and offer Thanksgiving is part of that skill. I think that's the important takeaway. Mm-hmm. Continuing. Now let us look at the advantage of working with an open heart when doing work in consciousness. In the previous way of working, energy is constricted in the heart, and the work is slow and hard, for not only is the heart short of power, but it further reduces the power which moves into the communication energy which an entity needs to speak with itself, just as much as it needs needs it to speak with others. Often if the green ray is constricted, the blue ray would also be constricted, and each entity must judge for itself whether or not it has, said, it has things said in the heart that have not been said to those who should hear them. So by the time the energy is received by the indigo ray, it is not only much reduced, but it is hampered by a lack of skill and energy in communication with itself. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, this is what they're giving is this is an example of how unblocking the heart leads to uh, higher chakras being activated with the power that's needed for them to really be able to uh, uh, spin and radiate mm-hmm. in this model of the chakras. Um, there's a there it, it is it is actually kind of nice that we have a plan for consciousness that sees a sequence to these aspects. That we know that, like, okay, if I'm not speaking clearly to someone, if I'm not getting through, oh, wait a minute. Let me go through my centers. How is my heart doing? How's my yellow ray doing? Right? Like the the Buddhists call them like points that you can go through, they can run through, right? Mm-hmm. Almost like um uh praying the rosary, right? Like you you go through your beads and each one you do a prayer. You go through your chakras. Each one, you check in and you see how are you feeling in each one. It's a little a little bit of a chance for a tune-up. This is a way of taking miscommunication. One of the things that I find most frustrating in my life, bar none, I freaking hate it when people can't understand where I'm coming from and instead say, wait a minute, maybe I'm the problem. And not because I'm not thinking right, but because I'm not feeling right, because I'm not feeling into the full nature of the situation. My energy system is telling me this, but I have Mm -hmm. to listen. I have to look for it. That's the skill. A lot of what the skill is, it seems like, is a mindfulness that is willing to pay attention to what's going on right now without judgment and then to be able to like make a concrete uh, response to that rather than simply reacting out of animal fear or, or desire for supremacy or winning or anything like that. Yeah, I like the idea of the mindfulness. And uh, going back to a previous point of just paying attention to where you're feeling the emotion. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. I it, When I discovered that I could use the chakra system as kind of a feedback mechanism for understanding exactly where a distortion was at any given moment, it was like a revelation. It narrows things down and it gives you a place to start in your examination of self. It's not the end point. It doesn't mean that just because you feel a pain in your in your uh, indigo or, or sorry in your uh, sacral chakra that okay well that's the explanation it's a starting point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
but it allows for you to like unravel the stuff and work with it on terms that are different than you would work with it if you were going to a psychiatrist or trying to work out a miscommunication with a friend. You have other options. Yeah. And that skill is in knowing that you have other options. And over time, learning how to catch yourself from going into habits of mind. And they talk about habit later. It's a very important part of this. Okay. Continuing on the subject of uh, how we use communication as an example of this unblocking and, and learning. Communication moves higher and higher into the surface mind, becomes bogged down in speculations, rationalizations, considerations of details that do more to obscure than to illumine a particular thing about the self that one is doing inner work upon. Contrarywise, if the heart chakra be open, then it is likely that there will be more honest communication because absolute love is something which fear cannot touch or bias. So that the fear that entities have in communicating, either with themselves or with others, is reduced to the extent that the heart is truly opened. The truly opened heart often appears childlike because it is blindingly honest, speaking that which it thinks without judgment in an attempt to understand the self as well as other selves. In this configuration, the communication is at its most effective, given that there are those which can accept and communicate in return while hearing those blunt truths that may not be as pleasant as the euphemisms, rationalizations, and cliches that surround most timid and, and tentative communication. Boy, that is, that is a big wake-up call for Jeremy, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm rereading it myself. It seems like when we talk about the intellect and the mind kind of like telling ourselves stories about why we feel a certain way, mm -hmm. this is what I was kind of getting at. It's like we speculate. Well, what are they trying to do? We rationalize. Oh, well, I shouldn't have to say blah, 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 because blah, 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 right? Uh, or there's some detail that is more important than the emotional work of, the, of, 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 of apprehending this other creator, this other self. Um, if the heart is open, then a lot of that melts away. A lot of that, a lot of the, uh, the agenda that one prosecutes through these speculations and rationalizations, all that, it melts away. There is no agenda. There's nothing to be gained. There's no point to be made, as Hatan says in that 83 session. Mm. Uh, you are simply there to radiate and receive with no, with, with no loss, is what they say in that lesson. And, and, and this one seems right on line. Yeah. If the heart chakra is open, it is likely that there will be more honest communication because there will be uh, we will avoid fear. It is fear that creates the need to like spin ourselves in these intellectual uh, webs. Um, yeah. Yeah. Boy. Euphemisms, rationalizations, cliches. I I traffic in these just like everybody else, listener. But these are just I guess one of the skills that we can learn is to recognize when we're doing that, to have a little bit. It seems to me, the more I read this, that mindfulness is the real skill that we're talking about here. And that how we apply that mindfulness is is also a matter of skill. But just being able to catch it and give yourself an option. And look, yes. hey, look, sometimes you want to just have a temper, temper tantrum. And you have to understand that you are not, you are not yet at full maturity <laughs> if you were you wouldn't be in third density mm. there there's a um 
one of the sessions we did in the working group channeling circle where they said if you if you uh accept that you truly are the creator you can let go of perfectionism and you can let yourself learn these lessons and have compassion for the fact that you make mistakes like it it takes the pressure off of you mm -hmm. and allows you to really pay attention to what's going on without having a stake in getting it right or getting it wrong per se that's yeah. where the skill comes from is in recognizing that you do have control over this stuff. And so your choices do matter. And then you make real choices. Look, sometimes you're going to make the choice to throw a temper tantrum or to be, you know, not nice to somebody. And that you'll, you're going to learn from that just as you learn from other stuff. If you're paying attention, you'll get the full benefit mm -hmm. and you'll be able to learn. And then like you'll realize like most of the time behaving this negative way doesn't get you anywhere. Mm-mm. Just reinforces. I don't feel... It just reinforces yeah. the pattern, right? And I like this idea that the, the way that, well, it's written here, but if you can recognize that you're having a timid and tentative communication because you recognize the euf euphemisms, rationalizations, and cliches, you know, maybe that you're speaking, if you recognize that you're not speaking with an open heart, you know, you can make a choice and you can go down the path of continuing that communication, continuing that blockage, or you can take a risk. You can take a risk and open up and let it flow freely and not try to understand, you know, not judge someone else, try to understand where they're coming from, try to be understood and be vulnerable. And that, that's, it's scary, but that's the choice. Pima Chodron in When Things Fall Apart says this perfectly. She says, when we feel that squeeze and we're on the cusp of something which we know not what it is, the number one thing we want to do is not do the same thing we always do. Mm. Do anything else but the same exact pattern that you normally want to do. And they talk later in this, in this session about the experimental nature of this. This is true evolutionary work, my friends. This is looking at your life, looking at your consciousness, looking at this foray into infinity that we represent of the creator's project as an experiment. And we are learning and we are yielding the, the, the fruit of this learning back to the creator. It's important. It's none of it is wasted. None of it. Mm -hmm. And, and the more that we can do it through the heart, the more the creator participates in this, I think is, is another aspect of this. You know, uh, we talked about in the Magical Personality episode about our higher selves taking on the mantle of third density. We're not talking about that here. But I do think that given that the heart is the seat of the creator, we clue the creator into our direct third density experience. We open up and we truly feel this stuff. And we're not, we're not living in our own mind illusion where we're, we're like, we're perfect and everybody sucks, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it means that we can say things in a clear way that doesn't have an agenda, doesn't have a uh, ax to grind bound up in it all the time. Yes. I think people, people totally pick up on that. You, you're not fooling anybody. No, you know what I mean? you're not. They, they feel it. That's the thing. That's what the intellect thinks it can do. It's clever enough that it can prevent, that it can manipulate people and how they feel. Yeah. No, so no. So much is said between the lines, right? Or there's so much communication that's bound up behind the words. And, and 
if you don't explicitly realize what is being communicated, you feel it at a deep level that something's off oh, yeah. or something's not right. So, yeah. <laughs> Amen. Continuing. An entity with an open heart is likely to speak the truth in a desire to express the compassion of one who does not care whether or not this speaking will gain any advantage, but cares only to offer the entity with which the difficulty is experienced the chance for the healing that is possible only through sincere honesty and fearless communication. The open heart is the ultimate optimist. That is the wisdom of the heart. The heart does not lose hope even if the end is not in sight and not known. The open heart gives each entity in every situation the benefit of all possible ways of gazing and compassion at that entity, be it the self or the other self. The open heart is not a compromiser, for it does not try to get anything for itself. It is ready to move into adaptation. It is ready to change, if that seems wise. It is ready for anything. And since anything often happens, it is the skillful heart that is the open heart. Mm. Oh, man. Hatan is fitting bars here. It is so <laughs> great. Oh. Anything can happen. You're not going to, you're not, you're not. Check out the big brain on Jeremy, but he's not going to be able to think his way out of all of this. Mm-hmm. At some point, he's just going to have to radiate. That's the lesson. Well, it's, Honest communication, fearless communication, radiating clearly and purely and truly. Uh, even if even if you don't know how it's all going to turn out, right? So you see coming through clearly the faith element of this. Yeah. That once we can't accept ourselves and all of our foibles and weaknesses, we stand on solid ground finally. Yeah. And it doesn't that solid ground isn't dependent on other people. It's not dependent on conditions of the planet. I love I love, I love this idea here. There are people who have a very challenging time talking with others, especially new people, like making new friends. It is a very stressful situation. But why is it stressful? At least the people that I know who feel this way, it's because when they communicate with someone else for the first time, they feel like they have to project competence and I am worthy and this, look, this is what I do for my career. See, I'm important. There's no, the communication is not just about getting to know someone. It's about projecting certain things about yourself. And you're trying to figure out how do I tell this person all this cool stuff about me? Like, that's really going to be hard to weave in. And then you start. That I don't truly believe <laughs> I, myself. Totally. That I feel an imposter about. That's the key. Yeah. How do I make this person think that I am better than the way I feel about myself? You know, and you can avoid all that by taking the pressure off. There's no pressure. There's no, pre- that person's opinion doesn't matter. <laughs> like, why not just get to know that person? Ask all the questions about that person. Oh, they say something weird. Don't attach a judgment to it. You know, um, just be, try to be open, let it flow. And, you know, th- yeah, this, that's what this paragraph makes me think of is, uh, the, the fears some some of my friends have with uh, building new relationships because they feel like they don't have communication skills, but in reality, what they have is an attachment to making others feel a certain way about them. Yeah, and then you're not ready for anything. You're trying to contain the situation into parameters yes. that you're comfortable with and you can expect. Yes. 
The open heart is ready for anything. It's ready for surprises. And therefore, it doesn't get as easily knocked off its base, right? Like, you know when someone responds to you in a way that you didn't expect and all of a sudden you're on your back heels, right? Yeah. Like, that's a very common thing because we want the conversation to go in a certain way. Mm -hmm. We're not really there for the full communication. We're there for our our slice that we want to get out of mm -hmm. it. The open heart is different. And it's 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 instructive, listener, to to hear these examples of of different ways of uh, uh, applying the skill, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Continuing, as one becomes able to communicate honestly and skillfully, it becomes less important to communicate skillfully because it has become natural. There is no fear of reprisal, for the reprisal is coming from an entity that is loved with compassion, of the open heart. Consequently, there are no entities to be feared. There are no failures to be feared. Part of the Blu-ray opening is the development of a sense of humor. So one finds ways to say things in a light way, in a gentle way, in a way which shows a spaciousness of prospect. And for the purpose of this discussion, most importantly in ways in which the entity is enabled in its inner work. For if full living light is able to move into the indigo chakra, that shocker will have the maximum opportunity to do work in consciousness. The open heart regards the personality. It enables the Blu-ray chakra to communicate from the level of the heart. That is the place of wisdom to the self that is attempting to affect changes in consciousness by faith and will. I love that. There is no fear of reprisal, for the reprisal is coming from an entity that is loved with compassion of the open heart. It's like when my kid talks back to me. Don't like it, but it's okay. I love him. You know, he'll figure it out. <laughs> Imagine treating everyone who talks to you that way. Oh, you're angry? It's okay. Right. It's okay. I, I love you. You know, we'll get through this. I think we've all done this before and seen the results too. Hmm. Like we've all done both ways. What they're talking about here at the beginning at least is as you practice this, as you make the decision to go to the open heart and, and clear out the heart and, and, and work with it and engage with it, you will find that over time, the effort that you have to take to apply the skill becomes less and less because we're building a habit. And this is a way that we use the construct of the third density personality as a friend, as a tool. Mm -hmm. It turns out that mindfulness doesn't change our habitual nature. It just allows us to tweak it, to orient it in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And then we have that. That's, for example, that's why building a meditation practice, uh, daily meditation practice really helps because then it becomes more effort not to do it than it is to do yeah. it. We are using uh, the momentum and the uh, the habitual nature of our, honestly, our second density hardware. Uh, we're, we're just slightly changing it so that it works with what we consider to be our interests rather than this interest that we have been considering up to this point, which has served us very poorly, which has caused conflict and you know, probably health problems. Um, <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> and, and I like that they also say that uh, it enables the Blu-ray chakra to communicate from the level of the heart. That is the place of wisdom to the self that is attempting to affect changes in consciousness by faith and will. I think it's just interesting to look at the way that they connect uh, communication with working consciousness. We would see encountering people in the outer world as a very different thing than going into our closet and working on ourselves. 
doing our meditation, doing our examination, uh, an inventory of all of our emotions and distortions and all that. But they connect it. I would invite the listener to think about that. Mm -hmm. We're doing work in consciousness out there too. Yeah. That's, that's the key. So for the rest of this uh, session, because we have to kind of wrap things up, there's not that much to go. Uh, they talk about um, quieting the tongue of judgment, and you start to recognize these parts of yourself that are childish or unrefined, and you can have that same support for others that you're having for yourself. It's, it's falling in love with yourself, which is a concept that Kuo brings up a lot. You fall in love with the whole self, not the self that you want to be. And then the they uh, Hatan says the heart is no longer the rag and bone shop that they described earlier, and that's a that's a, a Yates reference, hmm. um, the poet. Uh, and as you're doing this, your failures become impersonal. The compassion rolls in, and experimentally, you put aside your disbelief in your own lowliness for a little while each day, and feel the love rolling in. Feel the freedom, the space, the joy of simply suspending your disbelief in your own failures and imperfections. So you're praising the creator. You're, you're facing these things squarely. And suddenly they become things that you less and less have to, uh, have to account to others for, right? You have to like protect others from or protect yourself from. They become just parts of the ways that you connect with other people. Mm -hmm. And you offer praise for this. In fact, uh, working group member uh, Nithin has often uh, talked about how just praising and being thankful for your uh, catalyst and the things that happen in your life, even things that are negative, is an incredibly freeing way to engage them. And I've experienced this firsthand. It almost dissolves the hardness and the roughness of it, right? Sure. Well, and possibly recognizing or defining a challenging moment as catalyst, as reason for growth, and being thankful that, oh boy. Yes, glad I got this because I'm going to be a better person when we get through it, or I'm going to be that further along, that much further along on the path. Right. So then we start to get into, okay, how can we do this more and more often? How can we engage in this more and more in our lives? And that's where they really start to get into the habitual nature mm. of this, of using this skill. Mm -hmm. As you offer praise and thanksgiving, they say, as you communicate often in difficult ways at first to open up the great primary communication chakra, the inner work begins to do itself. For dear entities, you have en you are entities of habit. The habits you begin eventually become automatic. If you have the habit of praising each beauty that you see, there is no effort in continuing to praise those things which you see. If you have the habit of gazing at a challenge, which you might call also call a difficulty or a trouble, with an eye to the most positive action or thought which is available, which is an available choice, then when difficulty overtakes you unawares, that habit will move as instinct or muscles do in reflex. And some of your work will be done before your mind can make sense. We are mindful, in other words, in order to program our mind to handle these things in the way we want rather than, rather than the uh, ways in which we have done it in the past that have tried to rationalize and come up with cliches, mm -hmm. all this. Uh, and it's experiment. We are, we are, we are for, we're, it's a foray into the unknown of what's potential in us. And we are having compassion on ourselves to try new things. Mm -hmm. And the final, um, well, it's not the final, but yeah. The eventual priority of compassion over intellectual acceptance is a key process, they say. For many choices are made instinctively. 
When you open the heart, when you clear the communication energies and when you can rest in the working consciousness, which simply requires one to gaze without judgment at the self, you have achieved a configuration which will greatly accelerate both your process of spiritual evolution and your effectiveness as a being of light and an agent of the creator to those whose lives you touch. Hmm. And there's a little bit more to this uh, session and they go into negative greetings and the role that that plays Mm -hmm. because although I, I think sometimes the construct of the negative greeting is a little bit of a spiritual bypassing sometimes after all, if we are experiencing a negative greeting, it's because of our own distortions. Ah, it's not because of ah. anything that they're doing necessarily. Sure. They can only influence us through things that we haven't developed in ourselves. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, if you, I would encourage the listener to to read the rest of that. There's a there's a short question to answer, but there's a part where they talk about dealing with negative greeting because, not because they're trying to distract from the core message of this, but because opening the heart and then moving into clear communication clears the way to work in consciousness, it is precisely the people who are working in consciousness that are prime targets for negative greeting. Mm-hmm. Remember, uh, and Pima Chodron talks about this too, uh, the more you walk the path, it's not the bigger things that get you, it's the small things that get you. And it's those small little things, those little dark shadows that we don't quite understand a part of ourselves. that's where we get... Um, somebody coming in and pointing it out to us. In a way, the negative greeting does us a favor because it points out things we might not otherwise see. Mm. Mm. And we can continue this process and continue to have compassion for ourselves, to continue to accept that we have parts of ourselves that we haven't accepted yet and that there is work to be done. Forever there was work to be done. Forever. Yeah. Luckily, we as third-density entities... We can't conceive of infinity easily. We can't see conceive of forever very easily. Uh, but we are not limited to simply the resources of this personality and this life. Mm-hmm. And that's where the message of the past episodes about the higher self and the magical personality come in. There are ways of apprehending and, 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 and working with this stuff uh, that draw upon more resources than we think we may have available in a given moment. Mm-hmm. Well, good find on this one. A good find, a good selection. Yeah, I, uh, I like I said, I've been working with this message and with the subject matter quite a bit lately. I go through these times where like, I can just feel my heart opening. Like I was listening to music on the way in and I just found myself starting to choke up. And I can always tell that that's when I'm doing some heart opening work because music will really touch me in a way that it doesn't touch me all the time, mm. you know? Yeah. I can relate with that. Can relate. Anybody who plays music, they're trying to get back to that when they play music. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Like, oh. totally. All right. Well, my well friend, we got to get our Saturday started, right? Yes, sir. Cool. Well, thanks so much for joining me, Ryan. Blazing through this. Thank you. This was a good one. Yeah. Uh, uh, thanks for all of the support that you listeners have given us. I got a particularly touching email today from an old bring forth friend. Thank you. Uh, keep the ideas for future episodes coming. That's great work. Um, and I know bring forth is closing their forums. If that's something that's uh, a concern of yours, reach out to us at inaudible where the working group is trying to come up with some resources to mitigate that. Um, 
So we hope that that will be useful. In the meantime, have a fantastic week and stay in the love and light.